0: There's a ceiling on your conversion rate. It's not your price, it's not your copy, it's not your forms. And when I tell you what it is, you might roll your eyes and shrug. But it's eating your website from the inside out. This is something that Google is keenly focused on. It's causing your SEO to atrophy. It's causing your paid search placement to drop. It's causing your visitors to bounce. And it's only getting worse as mobile traffic grows. Now, I hate hearing that people have the attention span of a goldfish. It's not true. But even a goldfish has a limited attention span when staring at a blank screen on her little goldfish phone. Welcome to Intended Consequences, a podcast from Conversion Sciences. I'm Brian Massey, and I believe that anyone is capable of using behavioral science to predict the success of their marketing campaigns. Marketing magic is real, and I'll teach you how to harness it.
1: There is a lot of small things, a lot of immediate quick wins, a lot of things that you can do to change how you load different various files for your page that you can do in order to increase page speed.
0: So what is the ceiling on your conversion rate? It may be your page load time. Now, before you shrug this off as an IT problem, listen to my guest, Lucas Hainch. He's the founder of PathMonk, but his company doesn't have anything to do with optimizing website performance. However, he used to be on the performance analysis team for none other than Google. Considering that Google is so important to your marketing efforts, I think you should listen to what he has to say. Ask him to bring load time down to a level that we can all understand. We talk about how to diagnose our site and some tactics to ask our tech team to implement, to break through this performance ceiling. Let's listen to what Lucas has to say.
1: So I, I was part of the mobile um, optimization team, which is an internal team that was supporting Google's clients, advertising clients, in optimizing their mobile sites, number one, from a page speed optimization angle, and number two, from user experience angle, sharing best practices with the team. But a heavy, heavy focus on the, on the team has always been to help teams to reduce page speed, right? And there has been a lot of reasons why those teams uh, or this team exists In Google, in Europe, in the US, basically around the world. And uh, one of the reasons being, obviously, that more and more searches happen on mobile, right? It's a large percentage and it's growing by day. And a lot of businesses that I'm talking today with actually have by far, you know, exceeded the 50% mark of mobile traffic versus the desktop traffic.
0: It was in 2013 or 2014, I think, that internet-wide mobile searches exceeded desktop searches. It's been quite a while
1: exactly it, it's that's interesting. it is actually I recently recently thought about this. Um, it seems that the topic that gets more attention sort of like this year, especially in the last couple of months, but we've been on that you know obviously for quite a long time, and mobile phones have been around for quite a long time and the reason being searches increase um, on mobile. people land on mobile websites, but conversion rates on mobile sites traditionally have been significantly uh, lower than on, on desktop pages, right? And there's obviously now a, a whole group of reasons that are affecting this, right? It might be the, uh, the user behavior, people coming here very short stints. We call that micro moments within Google, you know, people coming, I think about 150 times per day uh, back to the phone and they spend very short, short snippets of time where they then interact on the phone. Another reason being page speed, right? There has been this famous quotes uh, on how Amazon is, you know, Uh, increasing or decreasing their revenue by huge amounts, just because of a few uh, milliseconds uh, of page load. But obviously, sort of, you know, in a a lesser scale, that also translates over to to other types of businesses and other smaller businesses with, with less traffic. So I think the overall wave of more users using mobile phones to search, hence landing on mobile pages but conversion rates, not necessarily performing as strong on mobile, which also has a knock-on effect on you know on their willingness to spend on on AdWords, uh, for mobile, uh, is probably one of the reasons why our team existed to educate uh, the developer space to help our clients uh, back then to you know improve their mobile pages to then be able to offer better experiences.
0: Well, the other trend that I've had my eye on, um, and it's going to remove some of the excuses we have, is that there is a growing population of people who are mobile only. In other words, they don't have a laptop or a desktop at work. They do all of their internet transacting on mobile, and that's growing. Currently, that's um, usually at a lower socioeconomic level in the in the United States. And as people are picking uh, are joining the internet in more developing countries, um, they're jumping in with uh, a small screen handset as opposed to uh, any sort of a laptop or a desktop. So uh, we 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 can't blame uh, mobile small screen, short attention span, um, the fact that people are standing in lines for this segment of visitors, we need to be delivering a different mobile experience for them. and performance is a piece of that.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's actually one thing that ties into this, what you were just saying there is, um, given the socioeconomic sort of um, structure of um, of this group of people that you were just describing, there's also a wider range of different types of the devices being in play when they're coming to your website right which means uh you know actually back then what is it now about two uh, two two and a half years uh, ago when we had sort of a major focus on that in our team we were always testing still in 3g right 3g fast which by the time you could have argued to say okay why why don't you guys test on 4g right you know 4g is around but Taking into consideration that a lot of the visitors on mobile don't necessarily have the high-end phones, don't necessarily have uh, that five G connection today to, to to visit your page is something that is a is a reality of uh, probably a large percentage of the visitors. Um, so yeah, so even within our team in Google, we were always sort of testing on a a little bit slower network than you would say what would you would say potentially would be the current one, but that's just the large amount of users being actually on slower of connections.
0: And I'll invite our listeners to do this right now. Turn off Wi-Fi and uh, pick up your phone. Turn off Wi-Fi on it and surf to your website um, and see. Even if you've got a 4G or an LTE connection, if, unless you're standing right under the tower, your speeds are probably not going to be full 4G, maybe fast 3G or 3G. And see if you can tell the difference. This is the, this is the first step, I think, to understanding this phenomenon. So what I wanted to do was uh, to talk about performance and understand a little bit specifically about the sorts of things that you were looking at. What are the common mistakes? What are the first things that we look at when we say, "Okay, we need to make our mobile or even our desktop site snappier?
1: So, I would say if I could put this into one theme, it would be that I think a lot of teams that I've been seeing and meeting is there is a very quick reaction, uh, you know, to optimize the content delivery network, to optimize infrastructure, right? To look into those big tasks in order to improve performance. I think there is a good reason to look at this. But what we've been actually finding in our team uh, back then is there is a lot of small things. A lot of immediate quick wins, a lot of things that you can do to change how you load different various files for your page that you can do in order to increase page speed, right? Um, I will go into this like a little bit uh, in a second. Basically, I'd say the concept of the critical rendering path is something that is sometimes, you know,
0: a little bit overlooked. Uh, The critical rendering. The critical rendering path. That's new. That's a new term for me. And I just want I just wanna uh, make sure that so when you talk about kind of the big things you're talking about making sure you're on a good host making sure you have a good cdN for uh, delivering uh content that doesn't change and having a, a cms or content delivery system that uh, works well with the stack that your your host is using we're gonna we're we're gonna kind of let you go off as listeners, go off and do those sorts of things and really focus on some of the more tactical. I don't want to call them smaller because they can have big effects. Exactly, but that's exactly
1: the theme. That's what I'm saying. There is those bigger things that you can do. You can do them once or twice, uh, but then there is also not that many things that you can do. While on the actual resources that you're loading for your page, you know every file potentially has some um, room for improvement might it be your font files might it be your css that you're loading the different javascript uh, files that you're loading all the images that you're loading each of them in itself have um, the potential to be improved on various different ways and that's sort of the way how we were thinking uh, about this in our team and going back to the critical rendering path really but I think maybe one thing to, to think about is important is what is really a good metric to think about speed, right? Because there's different ones. There is the overall load time until the page is complete, loaded, right? Which is all the assets. There is first bytes, uh, first, uh, when is the first byte loaded? When does it start rendering? When is it fully loaded? Or, and that's what we looked at within our team Google, is the speed index. It's uh, a metric that has been used uh, within the company um, extensively. And it's basically a representation of how long it takes until your content above the fold is fully painted, right? Until your first screen at the very top is meaningful, until a person can see what's the key message, what's the key action I can take. And um, sort of focusing on this is what gives you a very, sort of, I would say narrow, but also clear focus on what to improve on, which files to improve on, to make sure that this first screen renders
0: as quick as possible. Now help me understand a little bit, I just wanted to understand a little bit, how, do, how does a measurement tool know when the above-the-fold elements have all been been painted? Is it mapping mapping the window size at some point um, or taking some sort of an average? Yeah, so it's basically doing a calculation on when
1: each of the pixels are being uh, filled in, in that sense. There is some uh, deeper mathematics going in there, which I have to be very honest, I cannot give you the full a uh, full breakdown on how this calculation is being done but ultimately there's actually a nice formula on this if, if you guys check out um, the web page uh, test.org which is actually a google in-house made testing tool that provides you with the speed index there is the exact mathematical formula being provided as well i can't recall that on the top of my head right now to be honest but ultimately it is a calculation that, that tries to figure out when is that
0: first screen above the fold being painted. So we love webpagetest.org. I had no idea Google developed that. They don't have any of their branding on it. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a it's an official Google tool. It's made by Googlers. By Googlers. Ah, got it, got it. Now, so will they use the terminology speed index? I don't remember seeing that on the webpage test reports that we get.
1: It's it's within the reports. It's one of the one of the metrics, and it's just called speed index. In there, it's usually it's uh, you would see a speed index, let's say of four thousand, when your page would when you above the fold content would be painted within four seconds, right? So it's basically giving you, you a breakdown that is, if you have two point three seconds, it's going to be two thousand three hundred. is your speed index. So critical rendering path, um,
0: what is that, and how does it play in this?
1: yeah so since we just established in the conversation that uh, the speed index or i just call it you know that you have rendered everything that is above the fold that this is really critical now you have to think about what is the path that the browser has to go through in order to be able to paint that first screen right to fully paint that first screen and that path is basically the critical rendering path everything that has to be downloaded and executed and then to be rendered on the screen until we see the first uh, page to be completed. And um, there is now basically you have to think that a lot of the assets, assets that you're loading, such as JavaScript or uh, CSS, by default are render blocking, right? So until they are not fully downloaded and executed, they will be blocking the rendering path, which means. Nothing can be painted on the screen, which means your page loads later, which means your speed index increases. Mm-hmm. So basically, uh, the approach that we would have been taking is to go step by step through the critical rendering path, all the assets that are being loaded before a screen gets painted, and figure out how can we optimize those to load the above the fold content quicker and uh, uh, to then by that decrease the speed index.
0: Yeah, let's let's make sure everybody's level set on on our terminology here. So, CSS file, this is the cascading style sheet. This tells the browser how to paint things, which font, fonts to use. Uh, actually, you can control a lot with it. You can control whether things appear or not, where they appear on the page. Um, a very powerful formatting, primarily a formatting tool. And then JavaScript goes in and uh, can also move things around. Um, can uh, you know, set the triggers and. Uh, For instance, we use it to communicate with our analytics package. We use it to communicate with our A/B testing tools and things like that. And the CSS file is typically one giant file. So when you say it's render blocking, we have to wait for CSS to load because otherwise the browser doesn't know how to paint things. And since it's usually a large file, that can be pretty uh, significant. That can be a big penalty. Exactly. You're starting to point exactly in the right direction which
1: is which assets are being loaded, such as a huge CSS file, right? Or some heavy JavaScript that is actually not being needed for any actions that you can actually do above above the fold, which of them are being loaded, hence blocking the rendering path, but are actually not needed immediately. So that would be one way to think about the critical rendering path. If I take the example of CSS, which would be a little bit of more of a complex task, but what is definitely possible is to extract the critical CSS. To extract the CSS that is basically used for that first screen that we've been talking about and um, not only that critical CSS inline, so it basically gets pulled immediately and then you can load other parts of the CSS later.
0: So you would advocate having a, a, perhaps a separate CSS file, and you can have as many of these CSS files as you want, having a separate CSS file that just has the rendering instructions for the above the fold content.
1: Yeah, you can even go step one step further, which would be inlining uh, because you can just use those uh, style comments and inline them at the very beginning, which means they're going to be short at the very beginning. So they're not even a file that has to be requested. So that would be even one step further.
0: I see. So it's loaded with the HTML as opposed to as a separate CSS file. Very interesting. Okay.
1: Exactly. Um, this is obviously um, quite uh, some, an, an investigative task to do, but definitely has been done and has been done by uh, companies we've been working with with back then, but that's one way, right? That's one way to look at what are the files that are big, that are loading uh, at the very beginning and that are blocking my critical, my rendering path. JavaScript is the same, right? If you now think about, for, like, if you want more example there, uh, an example that has been occurring a lot is carousels right? Those nice carousels that you...
0: I'm glad you brought this up. <laughs> this is my pet
1: peeve. I mean, there is there is a lot of usability issues with carousels uh, on the one side anyways, right? Um, and I'm sure you've been educating your listenership quite a bit about this, but there's also a performance aspect about a carousel. Because if you look onto a carousel from a pure performance perspective, what is it? It is JavaScript, it's render blocking, and it is usually five to six pic- pictures loading sometimes four pictures loading and obviously a picture if it's not optimized you know which is happening in a lot of cases uh, now what you have to what has to be happening in order so that the first screen is fully fully ready is the carousel javascript has to load plus four or five or six images have to load right which can take depending on the size it can easily take eight seconds ten seconds sometimes to, to get those images up so um i would say the carousel has been if i can recall correctly has been probably one of the biggest um sort of enemies to performance optimization on mobile because they don't have a lot of uh, usability benefit right so you don't have one, you don't have a benefit usually on the one side uh due to banner blindness and, and you know many other things that you can argue from a ux perspective but on the other end it was also hindering performance quite a bit
0: well, in our tests, we find that it's it's similar to what we see on uh, search results pages, that you do not want to be on page two, even though it sounds awesome that you're ranking number 12 or number 13, because the uh, the uh, the number of clicks you get just craters. And it's the same with the carousel. Whatever you show first is what's important. And it almost doesn't matter what the, the, it really doesn't matter what the trailing three or four or five are. I think in the market, what I'm seeing is that we're, we've, I think we've left the realm of the carousel. I see fewer and fewer sites that have these carousels on them. It was, it was all the rage three or four years ago. Every template required a carousel, but I am seeing these um, background videos are now taking that place on the hero area. So these are large, full width videos, um, and you often see them playing on mobile too. Are those equally as, uh, as dangerous?
1: One small back loop I wanted to, to pick on the Im- images uh, at the top of the floor. But talking about videos, right? Again, you have to think about what does a video require to be able to play on your page, right? It requires a player. Um, there is some JavaScript involved. So what we've been doing back then is, uh, on rare occasions, though, I have to admit, uh, if, you, if you want to optimize uh, around the video, one thing could be uh, to sort of, you know, load sort of the idea is lazy loading, right? If you don't have to display a certain resource immediately, you could load it on demand, right? So let's say you have a video on the page, not necessarily talking now about the background videos, more a video that was sitting, you know, in a player to describe the product, for example. Um, and you would have a video like that uh, on your page. And uh, in many, many cases, the user will not click that video, right? Or a certain percentage, at least. But everybody, everybody, uh, has to be loading it, has to be loading the uh, JS that is required for the player, for example. And which affects, again, um, critical rendering path, which again reduces uh, the performance. So one way there could be to sort of give a representation of what you know, that can be done through images and, uh, and design work. to For example, show uh, what the video would be looking like and then basically on click load the, load the player and the JS for that. And all of that, because very often the video might not even sit above the fold; it might be sitting three or four slides down, right? And but you're already loading that JavaScript, and maybe not everybody's actually uh, using that video. So uh, finding a way to lazy load, so basically load on demand, uh, those those video files and the JS required, uh, can be one way to reduce that.
0: And we're seeing we're seeing that capability built into uh, at least the n-fold template that we use on our website. RSEO is actively working to um, use their player, which does this lazy loading. And uh, you also wanted to put a, a button on the your, your carousel discussion.
1: Yeah, so and it ties into the video because you talked about background videos, right? And um, which very often sort of, you know, under an opacity layer, play in the background and show some scenery. Probably that works really well on, on desktop. What I would personally suggest from my experience uh, in, in the field is really really prioritizing that first page load speed index we talked about that which means you could load on mobile you know not that video in the background but an image that represents you know a similar uh, scenario you wouldn't necessarily have to load the javascript uh, and the player to to basically run the video you potentially could just load an image that represents something very similar because everything is a trade-off right so if you if you're loading much slower now on 3G for example or 4G because you have that player that video you're running, potentially uh, much less people will actually see it. So another way to think about this could be: okay, let's take an image and try to figure out the best way to load that one image the fastest. Okay, we talked about carousels. That's probably not the way uh, because again we need require uh, if it's not a pure CSS. Uh, Carousel, we would need a JavaScript for that in most cases. But what we can do is, for example, if we take an image, we could base 64 uh, an image. Base 64 encoding means you take an image, you put it through converter, and your image now turns into a long line of code. And that long line of code you can, again, implement into your HTML at the very beginning, which means your image now gets pushed with the very, very first co- request not after some css not after some javascript not after your player would be ready from the background video but with the very first request and immediately shown on the screen which you know definitely has an impact on how quickly you're able to paint the first screen especially if it's you know image heavy your first your first screen if it's the huge background image for example
0: and so um, i think our listeners could google base64 it's it's usually written as b a s e 6 4 all one all one word without a space And find a tool that would allow that could upload a video or upload an image and get the um, image. Yeah, an image, and then they download what is basically a character version of that. Uh, So it's uh, what they get back looks like a text file with a bunch of gibberish on it. Exactly. You just drop that in there. You
1: get uh, converted, and that's something you can then uh, place into your HTML. Especially helpful if your first paint has a huge background image, which I would say. 18% Eighty percent of all the websites that I've ever seen have.
0: So we've talked about this critical rendering path. Um, I know from, from using webpagetest.org uh, that they often will recommend delaying execution of JavaScript. So there's the penalty of loading the JavaScript if you have a load of JavaScript on site. And uh, there is also the penalty of executing it where it needs to f- finish executing before uh, you can get, you can call the page loaded. Um, so uh, I actually don't know how to delay JavaScript. So I would be interested in hearing from you what that means. Okay, so basically
1: you have to think that JavaScript blocks the critical rendering path. Hence, you will get uh, penalties, basically, and like not physical <laughs> penalties, but hence it will be you know affecting your your page speed. It's uh, so JavaScript is parser blocking, you would say, uh, in, in in the correct terms, and that means. If you have an HTML, if so, if you have to think about it, how the browser is actually sort of you know working through all of the information that it's getting from your page, there is the HTML parsing happening, right? And only after this is finished, the DOM, which is sort of yeah, your representation of the page, can be can be actually created. It's called the render tree. So, but I, I will put the, the the terms a little bit aside. The essence is your JavaScript is blocking that rendering path. Now there is a couple of simple ways actually to delay the load of your JavaScript. And uh, obviously, you would have to check each of the files uh, that you are loading there, because some are, are very critical, but some might not be very critical, such as something uh, that is you know, somewhere in the checkout process, for example. It's going to take a couple of seconds, when if not minutes, until somebody is actually getting there. Um, so what you could be doing, simply put, is you can load JavaScript um, code asynchronously, which means you add async. To your script uh, file uh, which means that the javascript will be basically downloaded next to the parsing so it will not block your um your html parsing and from only in the execution time will it block the parsing there's even a second version which is called deferring uh, javascript which is again it's just one tag you write your script for the javascript and you add Script defer, uh, which means that the JavaScript will be downloaded but not executed because this is when it starts blocking the rendering. Which means, you know, JavaScript that you don't actually need at the very beginning, you could either async, async or defer, hence, loading after the first um, paint is being done on the screen um, and then actually loading them.
0: So that's so it's that easy. Um literally typing A S Y N C as part of your JavaScript tag uh or defer. Um and I've never seen defer before. I didn't realize it was quite that simple. Now, uh some of our JavaScript, as you said, is, is mission critical. So we want to make sure that our tag manager runs first and foremost. We want to make sure that time critical um analytics calls get run first and you know, first so that that page view is recorded before the visitor. We don't want it delayed because the visitor could navigate away before we realize they've been on that page. And also in the tools that we use, especially things like A-B testing tools, there is usually a different set of code or a checkbox that we can use to load those tags synchronously or asynchronously. And depending on what we're changing on the page, that can help us manage things like Flash and whatnot. So, uh, all right. So uh, this is, you know, this is even though we're talking about JavaScript, this is fairly straightforward for most of us to understand, I think. Yeah, at least
1: the concept, right? But then when when you go implementation, you have
0: to obviously check
1: each of the different files. As you said, some might be mission critical. You have to treat them uh, potentially a little bit different. What is I think the quick win? The quick wins are always those JavaScript files that just load with some JavaScript that is not required in the first couple of seconds, but will be required later. You also mentioned uh, tools and tags. What we've been seeing again and again, and I think it's really worth it to do a review uh, for every website owner. A lot of tools and snippets being loaded. Sometimes it's A-B testing tools, but actually um, sort of the experiments are not being run. It's a very simple thing to do. It's no high level uh, page speed optimization, but having a quick look on whether all the tags that are being run are actually being used with a critical eye and removing some of them can immediately have an impact on, on page speed.
0: Talk to us a little bit about what you've been doing
1: since you uh, left Google. We talked a lot about optimization now, right? And um, how page speed affects um, conversion rates. But what I also learned is page speed optimization is not a holy grail to conversion rate optimization, right? I think it's a really, really important tool, but it's not not the all end. You can improve um, your page speed, especially if you have sort of, you know, limited amount of traffic, maybe not like Amazon in the millions, if you have limited amount of traffic, the page speed not magically increases your conversion rate. There can be some impact, and I think it's it's a really important tool, but what I learned in that time is there is a lot of other reasons why people would not be converting, right? And um, what we've been working on uh, with my team is basically where we work on an AI driven uh, conversion rate optimization tool, uh, and the reason here is really what we identified is when a user is on the journey to make an important decision for a purchase, and they will be using their mobile phone in this. So let's talk about, for example, um, a, uni- a university course, as an example, a high-value product um, that somebody, you know, it's a very important decision for them. And what we notice is people will come several times to the page for those important decisions.
0: It's what we call a considered purchase, where they're gonna they're going to make a decision – over time, because it's a large purchase, or there are more than more than one person involved in the purchase. So, yes.
1: Exactly. And a lot of products are this. Like a lot of services, courses, software as a service. It can be something like this. Cars. Uh, bigger, bigger, bigger decisions. And I, I think there's a very nice study by Google where it says that uh, in order to buy a car, a user might go through 900 or more digital steps right, which is jumping between YouTube search, the actual car dealership website, the brand's website.
0: 900.
1: Wow. Yeah, it's a nice, uh, it's, uh, it's a study done, uh, because it's a very long decision, right? It goes over a couple of months, if, if weeks, and the questions change, right? The questions that the user has will change. At the beginning, it's very fact-based, right? Is it uh, the right size, the right price? How can I afford it? Uh, but it will merge into something like, you know, how will I feel? Do my uh, does my uh, do my our skis fit in the background of the car? So it will change the information that you're trying to figure out, and hence a lot of m- digital moments are being created. And what we're working on is uh, in PathMonk is to provide a user, a mobile user as well as a desktop user, just the right nugget of information on the website when they're coming, the first, second, third time, just providing them that little snippet of information that just might, might push their decision-making further or let them provide contact information because a lot of companies out there have faced a conversion rate of 1.8% you know, or lower, which means there is 98% of visitors coming to your page and don't ever leave their contact information. So that's something that we tackle.
0: When you get back to the office, if you aren't already excited to run a free web page test report on your site, I've got nothing for you. Visit webpagetest.org, enter the URL of your homepage, and see what grade you get. You can see the score for my site in the show notes. I'll share it with you. It's not perfect, but we've been working on this for most of the year. You'll get a score of A through F, like an English elementary school student. Then you'll see vast details of your site. One of my favorite tools is the Film Strip. It shows you what your visitors are seeing at specific intervals. It slows the load time process down for you. Now, about that page you're trying so hard to rank on Google search. Is load time causing you a problem? Put the URL in and see. You may have to educate the rest of your team on things like speed index and critical rendering path, but now you're equipped, so go out and science something.